Well, thank you to all of you who commented on my clothes this morning and said, are you preaching today? (laughs) It was either that or I'm going to be a waiter at a moderately priced Italian restaurant after this. One of those two, but I appreciate. Do I wear the same thing all the time? I guess I do, right? Rangers polo, khakis, so you know something's coming. I I gotta change it up, so I'll work on that. Well, I hope your holiday was a wonderful one. I hope you had a great time with family and friends and lots of food. Um, I've noticed a few things about holidays, though, things that they're really good, uh, good for. One is rest. Uh, I got sick right after we left to go to Tulsa, uh, and so I was forced to rest a little bit, and so I laid on a couch for two days, and I didn't realize how much I needed it. Of course, I was sick, so I probably needed it for that, but Holidays are a wonderful time to enjoy some rest. Now, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy because you prepared the Thanksgiving meal. And if you prepared the Thanksgiving meal, then take a nap today, okay? Please. Um, But holidays are a wonderful time to enjoy some rest. We slow down the pace of our life a little bit, hopefully, and we experience some time with family. It's also a great time for food and fellowship. If you didn't have the cranberry sauce that's shaped like a can then you've probably missed out this holiday season. But don't worry, it's still acceptable to eat it at Christmas and New Year's, so there's still time. Um, There's wonderful food that we enjoy together, Uh, whether it's turkey or ham, uh, mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes, there's all sorts of wonderful food that we share and enjoy together. And we do it with family or friends, hopefully. And so hopefully you saw those family members that you don't normally get to see. And hopefully you didn't fight too much. Um, we have a wonderful opportunity at holidays to see our family, and sometimes that turns south, but I hope for you that this past holiday, it went well. And then finally, I think holidays do a wonderful, wonderful job of giving us focus. And I sat down at the table, and I looked, and the dish in front of me was one of my grandmother's favorite pieces of china. She had this blue china. It was like a French country-looking pattern. And it made me think about my Mima that day. And she's been, uh, she passed away several years ago. But it made me think about her. And then I looked down the table at all the food and all the people, and I realized just how incredibly blessed I am. To have that much food is ridiculous. To be with such wonderful people, also incredibly blessed. And so as we enter in this season where we continue on from Thanksgiving into Christmas and New Year's, let holidays be a time of rest. Let them be a time of food and fellowship, but also let them be a time of focus as we anticipate the coming of Christ again as we focus on His birth at Christmas. Let that be your focus. As we go into the new year, think about what it is that God has done in your life and where you want to let Him lead you this next year. Holidays are a great time for those things. Holidays also have this, um, I like to call it a point of diminishing returns. Um, I don't know if you know what I mean, so let me explain. Um, I have young children. Anybody else have young children? I just heard some people laugh, so yes. Um, The rest of you that had young children at one point, now they're grown up, let me just remind you gently of what happens. You see, um, there comes a point in the holiday experience where they can watch no more Disney Plus. Like, you've maxed out at that point. Uh, is there really maxing out with Disney Plus? That's a whole other discussion. But 
they hit that point where they've done everything and they've played with cousins, and then it comes the question, Daddy, do you want to play Barbies? <laughs> My answer to that is almost always no. Uh, and, and here, yeah, I'm a bad parent, I know. Um, I, I feel like there's a point where I just, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I, I didn't have a sister growing up. I, I don't really understand. I'm, I'm Ken always, right? Um, and, and Ken has this surfer's outfit, and so I end up talking like a surfer or trying to, and I'm like, hey, dudes, let's hang ten. And they look at me like, Dad, that's not how we play Barbies. And so they ask me, and I say no, maybe later. Maybe later is the nice way of saying, it's really not going to happen, but I'm going to say this to make you feel good. And so I say maybe later. And so their idea of later is about two minutes later, whereas mine is about two hours later. And so they continue, and they continue, and they continue. Until, at some point, I either say, okay, let's go, or it's not going to happen. One of those two. I promise I'm not a mean dad. I promise. Maybe you've had that experience this holiday season where the questions just keep coming and it's the same one over and over and over and over. And if you're in that boat this morning, then join me in Luke chapter 11. As we look at this parable this morning, we've looked at many parables that are stories with intent over the last couple of months. And this one, this parable is interesting today and very poignant to where we're at as a church and where we are at as the people of God. And so I want to start in verse 1. So Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 13. So listen with me this morning. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In this whole passage, Jesus is teaching about prayer. And really, this little parable, these three or four verses, um, are sandwiched by two very famous passages of Scripture. In the first section, we see Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, or teaching them the Lord's Prayer. 
something that we said together just a few minutes ago. In fact, we usually say a variation of Matthew chapter 6, the other place where this is located. And so it's a little bit of a shortened version, but it's teaching his disciples to pray and really showing God being Father. He starts the prayer by saying, Father, hallowed be your name. And then if you skip down to verse 9, this second section is also a famous passage found in Matthew chapter 7. Ask, seek, knock. Really urging his disciples to be confident in approaching God. Having confidence in what God can do and will do. And so on either side of this parable, we see these passages concerning God being the Father, giving good gifts. I love that Jesus says, if, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? Or an egg, will you give him a scorpion? I, I never understood that. Like, Is there like something in your ear you don't understand? Uh, give him a scorpion instead of an egg? That doesn't seem like they're even related. And so Jesus says, your father wants to give you good things. Same thing he says in the first part of the passage. And so we see God as Father there. But I want us to look at 5 through 9 one more time, or 5 through 8, excuse me, one more time, and look at maybe God from a different point of view. Look at verse 5 with me again. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. So stop there. And today, in our day and age, if someone comes to your door at midnight, what is your response going to be? You may check your doorbell if you have a video doorbell to see who it is. You may just call 911 because someone strange is knocking on your door. Or you may show up to the door with a weapon of some sort to protect your home and your family. Coming to someone's house at midnight is not the optimal time for visitation. It is not the time when you show up just to say, hey, right? You show up to my house at midnight, I'm going to be a little bit freaked out. Not because of who you are, but because of the time of day. And this is the time when the friend goes to his other friend's home. He shows up at midnight. And it's really not his fault. He's had a traveler come through and is there um, needing shelter and food. And this friend was not prepared. He had a place for him to stay but he didn't have food. It was customary if someone showed up to your house to be ready to provide them with what they needed. And so, uh, this friend, even though he has the shelter, doesn't have the food. He must not have scheduled his HEB curbside pickup for that day. He must not have been ready for that visitor. And so, he is unprepared. And he does what he has to do, and that is go and ask someone else. Now, we were driving back from Tulsa yesterday, and uh, it's a long trip, probably eight, nine hours with little kids. It's lots of fun. Um, but as we hit Waco, there's always bad traffic there. Like, I wish somebody would fix that, please. Um, and then, then we hit Georgetown, and there was also really bad traffic. And I saw this car on the side of the road, and uh, there was a tire on the ground. So it was obvious what was happening there, and somebody had stopped to help them and change their tire. And so it made me think, who would I call if I had an issue on the road. If I'm here in Georgetown and my car breaks down in traffic, who am I going to call? Not Ghostbusters, for those of you that thought that in your head. I would call David Baird. Now, David is one of my friends. He's one of my good friends. We're coffee buddies together. We're snobby about coffee. Um, but David is the type of friend that you want to have because David will come and help you just about no matter what. 
You can look him up in the directory. His phone number's there. Tell him I sent you, okay? <laughs> David goes on youth trips with us during the summer. Um, he, he's just a good friend, and he knows more about cars than I do. Uh, I think he took one apart over Thanksgiving and put it back together. I, I, I can change a battery out. How about that? Um, I would call David. He's the person that I would call because I know I can count on him. And so this friend who's received this traveler at midnight knows that he doesn't have what he needs, and so he goes to the one who he believes can help. He doesn't mess around going from door to door. He goes to the one who can help, the one he trusts, the one who he believes will help. Look at what happens next in verse 7. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. That is not the response that our friend was expecting. He goes looking for help, and instead is told, The door is locked, and we are already in bed. So more than likely, they had pallets on the floor, or, or some kind of way they were laying in the floor, the family together. And so the belief is that if the father would get up, then the children would wake up, and then at midnight you have children awake, and nobody wants that. And so this person says, the door is locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. This is not how it was supposed to go. His David Bear did not answer the call. And he is in trouble. So look at what happens, verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. When I read the passage, when I, when I got this passage and started thinking about it, I read it through, and the first thing that stood out to me was this phrase, shameless audacity. What a phrase. Shameless audacity. I'm going to butcher the Greek word, but it, it, it's, it's only used in this spot. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Go look it up. But it means persistence. It means persistence. I love this translation, though. Shameless audacity. Now, it can be translated other things. There's other variations there. But this word in particular means persistence. So put that in instead. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your persistence, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. The friend who had received the traveler doesn't stop at the first no. He continues knocking and knocking and knocking. And at a certain point, the friend inside the house realizes he's going to have to help. And he does. He gives him what he needs, is what the passage says. And so this morning, I want us to think just for a few minutes about where we are as the people of God in this story. Maybe you are the friend who the traveler shows up at your house at a time when you didn't expect? Have you ever had someone in need come to you looking for help? How did that go? 
Did they need physical help? Money, food, shelter? Did they need prayer and support? When have you received a traveler? Maybe you are the traveler, that you have been carrying a heavy burden and a load that you are unable to carry on your own. Have you sought out help? Have you looked for help beyond yourself because you are not capable anymore? This little parable that Jesus tells has a lot to do with prayer and us as the people of God lifting each other up and interceding for one another. But I've been guilty, just as you probably have, of telling somebody that you're praying for them and forgetting. Or telling somebody that you're praying for them because you prayed about five minutes before you texted them to tell them that you were praying for them. I want to read you this quote I came across from N.T. Wright about this passage. He says, There are, of course, too many things to pray about. That's why it is important to be disciplined and regular. If you leave it to the whim of the moment, you'll never be a true intercessor, somebody through whose prayers God's love is poured out into the world. I'll read it one more time. There are, of course, too many things to pray about. That's why it is important to be disciplined and regular. If you leave it to the whim of the moment, you'll never be a true intercessor, somebody through whose prayers God's love is poured out into the world. And so our challenge this morning is to be people who are persistent and consistent in prayer for one another. I always have to stop and, and think about this, though, because I'm the type of person that wants to figure out how to make things work and how to make things work in my favor. I don't know if any of you do that, but I sure do. And I want to figure out how to work the system if I can work the system. And this is a bad thing about myself, and I try not to do it. But as I think about this passage, it sounds like if I just continue praying, then God will give me what I want. If I keep banging on the door, if I keep saying, Daddy, you want to play? Daddy, do you want to play? Daddy, you want to play? If I keep going, then I'll get whatever it is that I'm asking. And that's not the case here, is it? In fact, at the end of the parable, Jesus says that the person gets up and gives exactly what is needed. Not what is wanted, what is needed. He gives him the food in order to save face. He gives him the food in order to oblige with the customs of the day. He gives him the food because he needs the help. And so, church, our challenge is to be people who are consistent and persistent in prayer. Does that mean that God is always going to give us everything that we ask for? I don't think any of us here would say yes, but it does mean that God gives his children what they need, and so we become consistent in prayer. I love what N.T. Wright says about that, that if we just stop and pray in the moment, then we're not consistent in what it is that we're doing, and we don't allow God to do through us what God can do through us. And so are you consistent in your prayer? Maybe you're the friend, and you've received a traveler, someone who is really struggling and really hurting. Will you be consistent in prayer for them? Have you been praying for them, and will you continue in the future?
as we continue to knock, as we continue to ask, as we continue to seek, God gives good gifts to His children, and He will give what is needed. So this morning, are you a friend who's received a traveler? How will you be consistent in prayer for them? But maybe this morning you're a traveler, and life has hit you hard. And there are burdens that you're carrying that you can't possibly carry on your own. And if that's the case, I want to implore you today to bring those burdens to the church. That we might be consistent and persistent in prayer for you. Those burdens are heavy. And yet we try to carry them on our own. This morning, in just a few moments, we're going to sing a song. We do this every week. We call it the invitation song or a song of encouragement or whatever we want to call it. But it's a time where we, uh, we bring our prayers and concerns to God before the church. And so if you're a traveler this morning and you've been carrying that burden, I'd like to encourage you to let us join in that with you and let us be persistent and consistent for you in prayer to God. That we would lift you up and intercede on your behalf. Maybe coming down front is not your thing. We thought that might happen, and so there's an elder that will be in our back in the chapel, which is out these back doors in that direction, left for me, right for you. And there will be uh, a time for prayer there. But wherever you are in this process, don't carry those burdens by yourself anymore. Let God give you what you need. Let the church lift you up and intercede for you. The friend inside the house gets up and gives the bread, gives what is needed, and God gives what is needed to us. How will we respond? How will we pray? And how will we share each other's burdens? If there's a need that you have this morning, if there's something that we can pray for, if you haven't made the commitment to be immersed into Christ and would like to do so, if you've been immersed into Christ and want to be a part of this church body, we ask that you would do those things while we stand and while we sing together.